Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Perfect Keto. Guys, if you are interested in a great tasting keto-friendly bar with ingredients you can actually trust, you've got to try these Perfect Keto bars. The ingredients are things like almond butter, cacao butter, collagen protein, organic cocoa or cacao, coconut oil, and it uses sunflower lecithin, which is actually really good for helping bile flow, and it's flavored with stevia. It tastes amazing. So gluten-free, dairy-free, no added sugars, preservatives, or artificial ingredients. They've got some amazing flavors. I really love the almond butter brownie. That is great. The chocolate chip cookie dough is fantastic. They also have a great salted caramel and a lemon poppy seed. These keto bars are a pre-made keto dessert without the guilt. I mean, think about it like an energy bar that tastes like a treat and supports your soft tissue recovery because of the collagen peptides that are in there. They also support, those peptides also support your skin, your hair, your nails, and your gut health. So remember, all natural ingredients, balanced keto macros, only three grams of net carbs, no sugar alcohols that can cause bloating and cramping, no artificial sweeteners, no dairy, no corn fiber. A lot of people have issues with corn fiber spiking their blood sugar, even though it's a fiber. No high carbohydrate binders like dates, honey, or chicory root fiber that a lot of other companies use that can also detrimentally impact your blood sugar. So a lot of things are out there marketed as keto but if you actually test your blood sugar, you'll have issues. And, I, and the developers of this, Perfect Keto, they actually rigorously tested this and went through over 14 different iterations to make sure this product will not spike your blood sugar. So if you want to try these out, which I would highly recommend, go to www.perfectketo.com forward slash Dr. Jockers. So again, that's www.perfectketo.com forward slash Dr. Jockers. Use the coupon code Dr. Jockers, D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to save 15% off of these today. I know you'll love these. You should get more than one box because you are going to love these. Um, you're just going to really, really enjoy them. Great for snacks, great for uh, consuming them after meals, uh, for travel, all different types of things. So check them out today. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have got another Q&A session, getting so many great questions from you guys. And I hope you guys enjoyed 
the first one we did, which was in January. If you haven't, be sure to go back and listen to that. We talked a lot about gallbladder. We talked about parasites. Um, we talked about, gosh, a lot of things, skin health, skin inflammation. So we covered so much in that last one. So be sure to scroll back and check that out. Um, and of course, joining me, I've got my superstar health coaching team, uh, led by Melissa Noor, who's been with me for quite a while, five, six years. Uh, we've known each other for over 10 years now. Um, and she's come such a long way, helping thousands of people literally all over the world. And we've also got the great Hampton Young uh, joining us out of Missouri. And, uh, and as well as Tara Peterson, the, the rock star Tara Peterson coming out of Missouri as well. And um, these guys are just awesome. They're working with people all over the world with a wide variety of different health conditions. And so if you're out there, you're looking for help, um, definitely check them out. You can go to our website, you can look up the coaching tab. Uh, of course, we'll have information in our show notes as well. Again, they work virtually with people, so you don't have to leave your home. You can work with them and uh, really help navigate your health challenges. Now, let's, uh, let's jump into our questions here, Melissa. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, awesome. Right. I love this. I think this is fun. So I'm glad we've started doing this for our listeners and followers. Um, so first questions from Cindy, and we've got a couple on PMS. So I'm going to add Tarzan also has one on PMS. So we'll talk about both. Okay, so Cindy says, I have PMS. What diet and supplements would you suggest to follow? Yeah, this is a great question. And Tara and I were chatting about this before our call. I said, well, I can give, you know, some, some ideas and strategies and some of the science, but I don't really have any personal experience, of course, with PMS. <laughs> so I'll let the ladies take it from there. Um, <clears throat> but when we think about PMS, most of those symptoms <clears throat> are occurring right at the end <clears throat> of the luteal phase. So you have the follicular phase, which is kind of first 14 days. Second half is called the uh, luteal phase. And the second half is, is the first half is a lot of estrogen, right? As kind of the, you're kind of growing the uterine lining, getting ready for the ovary, getting the ovary growing. And we know estrogen is very much growth oriented. And then the second half, uh, right before you menstruate, that's all progesterone. And so progesterone just really helps to modulate that kind of uh, the uh, uterine wall, right? And prepare for implantation. And so oftentimes PMS types of symptoms are related to estrogen dominance or too much estrogen, not enough progesterone. And with that, we see stress being a huge factor um, because when you're under a lot of stress, there's, a, there's something called pregnenolone steel where pregnenolone is a precursor for cortisol, which is your stress hormone, as well as progesterone. And um, when you're under a lot of stress, your body always favors basically survival, right? And reacting to the stress over producing these sex hormones and fertility. So you'll use, you'll, you'll shunt, it's called pregnenolone steel, where you're going to end up producing more cortisol. So stress is a big factor, blood sugar imbalances that need to be addressed, um, getting the liver working better, getting the gut working better. So these are all kind of the, the foundational pieces that we're looking at. And uh, Melissa, why don't you jump into some of the nutritional strategies that you like to utilize? Yeah, so um, definitely look at doing an anti-inflammatory diet, and we pretty much recommend that for every condition, but it's particularly important with 
PMS and like Dr. Jocker said, it's typically an estrogen dominance issue. So you'll get breast tenderness and pain um, related to that. So you wanna make sure you're not eating or exposing yourself to like xenoestrogens, which are things that can mimic estrogen in the body. So don't drink out of a plastic water bottles. One of the main ones I see my clients doing, but because mm. plastic acts like a xenoestrogen. So it can actually elevate estrogen in the body. Um, and then also making sure you're getting an antioxidant rich diet, tons of vegetables, leafy greens. Um, you want to get lots of magnesium, B vitamin rich foods, B vitamins, magnesium, and vitamin D are really important for PMS symptoms. And then making sure you're getting some uh, omega 3s. So, high, I usually recommend salmon or other fish that are rich in high omega 3s. So, those would be some of my top nutritional strategies. Yeah, I think that's a great foundation. Tara, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, so on top of anti-inflammatory uh, type diet, sometimes you can you can do all the anti-inflammatory dieting, exercise, and be right where you think you should be, but then you still have issues with estrogen dominance. And I know um, I, I experienced that in myself. I was, you know, an athlete and, and everything, but um, DIM supplements helped a lot. Also, after you've had um, babies, things can sort of change in your menstrual cycles. And so when you get closer to menopause, you eating a nutrition like a, a keto type diet and then timing it around your cycle can also be beneficial in helping in, in symptoms. Um, exercise in general and stress relief, good sleep and hydration, just getting um, half of your um, body in, um, in ounces um, is, is really great to help during the time of, of your cycle. Yeah, key. Hampton, any uh, any key nutrients, herbs that you think about when you think about PMS issues? Sure. So just like you, I don't have direct experience, but I do have a wife and True. she's tried a few things that uh, seem to work really well for her. So um, I, I totally agree. Magnesium is huge. She really ups her magnesium around that um, follicular phase and it really helps um, as well. And really like... Um, we're talking about supporting methylation, so breaking down, you know, unused or used estrogen. So she really likes Dong Kwai. It's an herb that really helps support that process. And then Epsom salt baths. Those seem to really support, just again, getting more magnesium in, relaxing tension, and, and helping the hormones process accordingly. So those are a few things that have supported her. Yeah, for sure. And I, I also think about chasteberry, uh, which is also called Vitex. It's kind of one of the most well-studied or most commonly recommended herbs as well. And you can get teas and you can get tinctures with it. Um, Don Kwai, like you talked about as well, is another good one. Ginger as well, very powerful anti-inflammatory. So, you know, women that are out there dealing with like painful menstrual cramps, uh, ginger root, boswellia, turmeric, those can all be real beneficial there for calming down inflammation and omega-3 fats too. Omega-3 fats play a key role. And then you know, we probably would say this over and over and over again, but also looking at your vitamin D levels, because there's actually correlation between women that have worsening symptoms around PMS um, and vitamin D deficiency. So if you're having just unbearable symptoms, there's a high likelihood that you're probably vitamin D deficient. And that may help uh, improve the way that your immune system responds, the way that your muscles are contracting. Um, and, and you may get uh, quite a bit of relief 
by improving that along with all the other benefits that vitamin D provides. So really great question. Melissa, let's go into the next one. Okay. Well, this was from Tarzan and we answered it with some of the strategies we just discussed, but she's asking about causes of dizziness and heart palpitations only during PMS. Yeah. So again, going back to those kinds of issues now, sometimes this could be related to like, uh, there, the cause could be different based on if she, if it's before she menstruates and after she menstruates. Cause when I start thinking about that, I think maybe she's losing a lot of blood and she's anemic, um, mm. or she's mildly, you know, she's, she's not clinically anemic, but she's subclinically anemic, right? Meaning that it's not at the level where she would be diagnosed, but she's trending in that direction based on what we're looking at with functional labs. So, and I, this is very common for a lot of women where their serum ferritin will drop real low. And that's kind of your, or your, your storage form of iron. And so we like to see that certainly up over 25 for women. And oftentimes it'll be, you know, 10, 15. And most of the time, these are, these women have, have gotten blood work done, but their doctors have never even looked at their ferritin. They're just looking at their red blood cells or hematocrit, their hemoglobin. And they're saying, well, you're not anemic based on that. But if we're seeing that, that, you know, the, the kind of the early stage of an anemic tendency is this loss of ferritin. And I see a big, a big correlation with a lot of these kinds of symptoms, okay, where the woman feels dizzy, they feel cold, they feel tired and fatigued, and low ferritin, kind of this trending towards anemia. So, you know, if it's after menstruation, that'd be the first place I would look. Now, if it's before menstruation, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, where there's most likely issues going on there with estrogen dominance, right, which can cause just more overall, can trigger a little bit more overall systemic inflammation. And that may be impacting our vascular system, um, you know, causing poor circulation into our brain, which can cause more of that dizziness. So um, those would be kind of the two things I would look at. Do you have anything, anything uh, you want to add there, Melissa? Um, no, I think we covered that pretty well. Yeah. I mean, um, when I think of dizziness, I think of low blood sugar. So just mm. making sure that yeah. she's her blood sugar is not getting too low during that time. So having a real balanced um, macronutrient diet, getting in plenty of healthy fats. I don't think we really stress that enough during the PMS nutritional recommendations. So avocado, olives, olive oil, those are favorites. So um, other things to think about. Yeah, for sure. Now, if she does have an anemia, Hampton, what are some things that she can do to help support that? right? Or things that she could try, even if she hasn't had the blood testing done to help support just overall uh, good iron blood flow, right? Having the right yeah. amount of blood. Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, eating the foods that contain good sources of iron, organ meats are a great one. Any kind of grass-fed whole animal, you know, red meats are good. Um, beets is really good. Dark leafy greens, green, dark green juices is really good. Get the um, constituents to build hemoglobin, chlorophyll, uh, magnesium is at the core at the core of the green uh, vegetables, and magnesium is a huge component. So is copper. Um, a lot of people don't know that um, whole food vitamin C actually has copper atoms, and you need um, copper and siluroplasm to actually um, kind of drive iron with holding the oxygen into the cell to utilize it. So that's a big piece is, is uh, oxygen utilization with um, building iron that way. So. Um, those are some things that you can, you can do pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. Great. Anything to add to that Tara? 
Oh, yeah, just echoing uh, what all the other coaches have said, just supporting a lot of protein. If you're, you know, if you're a vegetarian, that can be kind of hard. And so perhaps adding um, some good protein, whether it's through eggs or um, clean meats, and then also make sure you have um, good hydration during your cycle, because sometimes that can cause um, dizziness if your electrolytes are off and you're feeling a little more dehydrated during that time. So. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that we teach too is also like most women have a lot of cravings kind of the week before menstruation. And, you know, even though we're, we're big advocates of a lower carb diet, you know, in, and we do, and we talk a lot about intermittent fasting and things like that, that last week before menstruation, we see a lot of women do better doing less intermittent fasting, doing more feasting, eating more healthy carbs, um, from fruit, from root vegetables, uh, you know, sweet potatoes, different things like that. Um, squashes, th those can all be really, really helpful kind of that week before. And then also getting in your red meat, like grass fed beef, things like that. Um, so that those are the iron rich foods and something to consider would be taking an iron supplement, particularly if you're not, if you're, if you're adverse to eating a lot of, um, red meat, um, you may consider doing an iron supplement. And even if you are, if you feel like you're having really heavy bleeding, um, taking an iron supplement can really, really help. And then of course we want to get to the root of the heavy bleeding, right? Now, some women just naturally bleed a little bit more than others, but for, in some cases, you know, there could be cysts in there. We could be dealing with like a PCOS or endometriosis or something like that, that can be addressed with, uh, you know, functional health coaching, functional medicine, functional nutrition. We can get to the root cause and address those issues. Yeah. Melissa, yeah. why don't we go to the next question? Unless you have anything to add to that. No, that's great. And we've got articles on the website covering endometriosis and PCOS if yeah. anyone wants to dig in a little deeper with those. So, okay, the next question is from Dorothy. And um, Dorothy has type 1 diabetes. She says her blood, her body temperature dysregulation she's experienced for two years. Anytime she gets cold or a chill or goes out in the air that's windy or chilly, she gets a low-grade fever and her blood sugar goes up. She says she's always cold and wakes up at 11 p.m. and can't normally sleep till around 1 to 2 a.m. Any ideas? Well, the fact that she's got type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune condition, you know, these kind of autoimmune conditions, although there's a genetic component, oftentimes are triggered by issues with leaky gut and issues with systemic infections, right? And so certainly possible that she has got some issues going on as far as um, parasites or bacterial overgrowth in her gut, um, possibly viral infections uh, that, you know, there's a lot of links between certain types of viruses uh, and their impact on the pancreas, destroying those beta cells in the pancreas causing type one diabetes. So there may is most likely an underlying immune suppressive effect that's also impacting her hypothalamus and pituitary gland, which is kind of the regulation center for her temperature. Right. We see this often and it can cause issues with, you know, possibly poor circulation, um, reacting to stress effectively. Um, you know, a lot of times people with kind of this, you know, I, I kind of term it like a neuroendocrine inflammation where it's kind of impacting the nervous system, the part of the nervous system that coordinates the hormones. So it's the hypothalamus and pituitary glands. We'll see like dizziness when standing up, right? Um, fatigue a lot of times, right? These are some of the common symptoms, feeling cold often. These are common symptoms with that. 
So, you know, some things certainly that can improve would be just regular movement exercise, but, you know, not overdoing it, really trying to prioritize good sleep, stress management. Um, You know, this is just kind of like foundational things, but a lot of times people that have these kind of conditions, they're not moving enough either. So getting out, getting some regular exercise uh, would be helpful. Of course, type one diabetes, you really have to monitor your blood sugar. That's so important to make sure it's not dropping too low, not going up too high and modulating your insulin dosage. And that's another important factor is, you know, ideally uh, through nutrition and lifestyle, which I'll let the rest of you guys talk about, we're doing everything we can to low, to, to get, to help you only be, have to use the lowest amount of insulin possible. You don't want to just be slamming insulin into your system because that's going to drive up systemic inflammation in your body. So Melissa, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, so, well, with the body temperature dysregulation and feeling cold all the time, I always think thyroid. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times if you have one autoimmune condition, you're more susceptible to another. So I suggest getting your thyroid tested and get your, and make sure they test your thyroid antibodies um, just to rule that out. And then um, with waking up and not being able to sleep, so many people have issues with sleep and sleep is just so critical um, to our overall health. And so- um, check blood sugar imbalances can often wake people up. One of the main causes I see of people waking up to, like in the middle of the night is their blood sugar is actually dropping too low. So trying to balance the blood sugar during the day with a healthy diet, um, you know, have plenty of healthy fats and, you know, and I know being type one, I've got personal experience with that. I have a close family member with that. So I, I understand that it's hard. It's hard to regulate that. But optimizing nutrition can is really key. I've seen my family member really improve his not needing as much insulin during the day, not needing as much of his 24-hour insulin at night, but just making sure he's getting in a very healthy diet. It's a plant-rich diet full of healthy fats. So um, those would be some suggestions I would have. Yeah, great suggestions. Hampton, what what would you add to that there? Yeah, I'll tag on to that. That's what I was thinking is thyroid as well, um, autoimmune and then thyroid temperature dysregulation. And so, of course, the nutrients, zinc, selenium, iodine, magnesium, retinol is really huge. A lot of people don't know retinol is a big part of forming um, thyroid hormone. You got to have that um, in the mix, um, get that from the diet. And then definitely prioritizing sleep, you know, trying to not eat two to three hours before bed. And I've had a few people um, have added a little bit um, extra quality fat to their last meal. And that's really seemed to help, um, with sleep and staying asleep and regulating blood sugar as well. That's been a little tip that I've had some success with with people. So that might be worth exploring as well. Yeah, that's good. And Tara, how about you? Yeah, I'll also echo those words. And then I just felt when I read her story that perhaps which came first, you know, it, she's having trouble sleeping and then in the daytime it's causing problems. And so it's with the um, being cold and having, so which came first. And I would say if she could prioritize looking at her sleep, taking baby steps to um, make a priority to um, for sleep, I would say that would probably help with some of her daytime issues. It also helps with your um, controlling your diet because when you're tired it's harder you make you don't make as good of choices in your eating and or extra you don't feel like exercising because um you don't you don't feel well when you don't sleep and so i would prioritize that and then 
Um, just echoing an anti-inflammatory diet and like Hampton said, adding either fat or even sometimes people can do some good carbs, not um, you know, processed foods, but like some root vegetables or um, in their evening meal to kind of help sustain their blood sugar over the, the evening time. Yeah, it's also important. And then also, you know, helping your body be able to run off ketones as well. So putting some MCT, particularly C8 uh, MCT oil, which is caprylic acid in your meals, like a teaspoon with each meal, you can go up to a tablespoon. I always recommend starting with about a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon just to make sure you don't get, um, you know, if you take in too much MCT oil too quickly, you get diarrhea pants, right? So you, you want to avoid that. So start slowly, but start implementing that into your meals. And that will basically, that turns almost immediately into ketones in your system, which will provide this alternative fuel source for your brain, because it's really your brain that gives you this alertness when blood sugar is dropping too low and it feels like, okay, I don't have enough fuel here. Um, and so now it turns on the alarm, which can cause you to wake up like Melissa was saying there. So providing some MCTs in there will help your body utilize your own body fat. will actually teach your body to use ketones as a fuel source. You know, there are also things like exogenous ketone supplements that a lot of people with type one diabetes actually see good results with for helping, uh, improve the ability to use ketones as a fuel source right now. The key is you just got to make sure that you're, you know, making sure, uh, and you probably are checking your blood sugar, making sure it's not getting up too high, too low. Um, but utilizing some of these tools as well will really, really help as far as providing this alternative fuel source. So your brain doesn't freak out just in case your blood sugar starts creeping lower right? Your body's good at, you know, saying, okay, well, blood sugar is going down. Let's tap into our own body fat, produce these ketones. And now we're good, right? And that'll sustain us. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Paleo Valley. They make the most powerful, pure vitamin C supplement you can get. Because unlike most vitamin C supplements containing synthetic ingredients that are created in the lab, Paleo Valley Essential C Complex is made from three of the most potent whole food sources of vitamin C on the planet. Nothing weird, just food. Check them out at paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off today. Good, Melissa. Let's move on to the next question. Okay, Diana is asking, she's suddenly losing lots of hair and her inflammatory markers are high. Yeah, so whenever I think about hair loss, I think three major causes, okay? The first thing that I think about is thyroid underconversion or underproduction. So some sort of, it could be clinical hypothyroidism or a functional hypothyroidism where your, your levels aren't at the, at the point where they would be diagnosed but you're just not getting enough active thyroid hormone to the cellular level. And thyroid hormone is critical for the maturation of the hair follicles. So that's kind of the first thing. And one of the things I look at is the outer third of the eyebrows. It's kind of classic for hypothyroidism is, and this is different than other forms of hair loss. In, in some cases, it's different, uh, is that you lose that outer third of the eyebrow. So if you're noticing that the outer third of the eyebrow is kind of fading away, definitely get a full thyroid uh, analysis, looking at thyroid antibodies, particularly TPO and TG, thyroglobulin antibodies, as well as your free T3. Okay. So you want to look at your T4, your free T3. That's the actual component that's 
interacting with the cell. So I would definitely look at that. Second major thing is um, women as they're going through perimenopause and into menopause are if they have just an overall underproduction of estrogen and progesterone, that can also cause cause issues there because that's also very important for fullness, thickness of hair, maturation of the hair follicle. We have to have enough estrogen, progesterone uh, for that. So we've got to look at those hormones. If you're under a lot of stress, maybe your body again is shunting and producing all this stress hormone, not enough sex hormone. Um, and then number three is autoimmunity to the hair follicle, right? Where you actually have an autoimmune condition where your immune system is attacking and destroying the hair follicles. So when I'm thinking about what the cause is, I'm trying to figure out which of those three, or maybe it's a combination that are contributing to that. And then we got to go into the solution. So Melissa, I'll let you start with that. Yeah. So, well, the inflammation piece is also important because she said that her inflammatory markers are high. So we've got to figure <laughs> out what is causing that. What's that? Uh, and we don't know which marker she's talking about, but what's causing that overactive response, that inflammatory response. So um, you know, with hair loss and with inflammatory markers being high, I think about blood sugar imbalances. Um, are there environmental toxins impacting you? Have you or a new area there, maybe a home with new furniture that's off gassing, you just change the carpet, things like that can actually cause um, high levels of inflammation. So, and then also looking at chronic infections, is there, um, you know, gut infections are really common um, cause of inflammation. So I would dig deeper just to try to understand and identify what is causing the inflammation. And that may be the key to understanding what's causing the hair loss. Yeah. So important. we got to get to the root cause. Hampton, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, I, tell you, I agree with all of that. I think that's great. You got to, you know, sift through a lot of that to really dive deep. But, uh, you know, what comes to mind here too is uh, really nourishing and resting and really wanting to get that inflammation down, whether that's, you know, chemical, microbial, emotional. Um, I just think that that could be something that's often overlooked is really just maybe, I know we talk a lot about great fasting protocols and, and different things to get into autophagy, but really just, you know, building in the nutrition, resting, reducing that inflammation from every, you know, each angle, whichever one they might be, can be really good and just grounding. And of course the, you know, the core tenets we always talked about of sunlight in the eyes, grounding, hydration, but just really getting the nutrients in to support the system to, to increase the metabolism to support thyroid function just in general I'm, i would guess it's probably under functioning just i mean we we could probably assume that to some degree so that would be just some things i would add from lifestyle coaching aspect mm -hmm. that's great tara what, what would you have to add to that yeah so i i always like to look also in those realms of the micronutrients and you can either do a test to make sure you have or or processing all your micronutrients and then also supporting with either zinc or like b7 is good for hair and um also food good diet removing um processed foods adding good fats like we've been talking about and increasing protein for um to support your hair eggs and bone broth uh, collagen is always um, a good one or even a collagen powder to help support um good healthy hair yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Got to get to the root cause. I think that's really what it comes down to. And I kind of, I kind of scratched the surface. So those are kind of the three main root causes, but underneath those, 
you have a whole wide variety of root causes that can actually cause the thyroid, the functional low thyroid, right? Um, mold, right? It could be chemical toxicity. It could be chronic stress. It could be gut infections, right? So we have to start to kind of go through these layers and try to figure out, um, you know, how to best address those. But I think we gave a really great foundation, places to start, things to start doing, kind of that low-hanging fruit, try to get your body moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. All right, Melissa, let's go to the next question. Okay, awesome. So Brenda is asking about rosacea. She would like to know how to treat the underlying cause rather than just treating the skin with an antibiotic. Mm, That's really great. And so whenever I think about rosacea, I think about the gut-skin connection, okay? There's almost always issues going on there with the gut. In particular, a lot of links with H. pylori uh, overgrowth in the stomach. And H. pylori is a type of bacteria that um, lives in the stomach, right? And it's it's a native to the stomach. However, it should be in very small, uh, very small population. And so it, as it starts to overgrow, it shuts down your ability to produce stomach acid. And if you can't produce stomach acid, now you can't sterilize your food. You can't um, break down protein, absorb certain minerals effectively. And it also creates a lot more inflammation uh, in the stomach and throughout the body. And so typically with rosacea, I'm thinking something... M- tends to be more in the upper gut. So it's usually either um, H. pylori or a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. And also on top of that, there's oftentimes histamine issues where the body's not degrading histamine, uh, whether it's not breaking it down or it's overproducing histamine. Sometimes there's some histamine producing bacteria that are overgrowing like Klebsiella, for example. Um, So these are all things that we've got to look at, but it's typically I'm thinking gut skin connection. What would you add to that, Melissa? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. This is um, when, when I have clients with skin issues, I tell them it's a window into the gut. So the skin's a window into the gut. And so I usually recommend some type of stool testing so that we can look for any type of infections that may be contributing. And then another major cause that I see are food sensitivities. So in addition to the histamine intolerance, other food sensitivities that they aren't aware of, dairy's a big culprit with skin issues. So I would recommend doing some testing so that you can identify what are the underlying causes. Yeah, that's great. Hampton, what would you add to that? Um, I echo all that. I think about the gastrolymphatics, so the lymphatics that it ties into the gut and it's then into the circulatory system in the skin. So uh, some herbs that I like is we have a great uh, micro formulas has a great um, lymphatic support product with rhubarb in there. Um, I like burdock root, uh, dandelion. Those are going to support skin, lymph and liver, kidney function. Um, again, if they do testing and there's issues going in the gut, um, you know, infections and things, you can use some antimicrobial herbs. Uh, we've got some formulas there, but we'll have oregano and um, what's the digest clear? Is that the product, Dr. Jockers, that you have? Um, GI clear? Yeah. Yeah, we have the GI clear. That's, yep. that's a good one. It's got a good combination of things in there, berberine as well. Yeah. So I think those would be some good. Uh, herbs that you could try if uh, you did find out there's some some gut infection going on. Yeah, great. And Tara, what would you add to that? 
Oh yeah, I see food sensitivities being uh, an issue, or and, and it is genetic, and so you can only work with uh, you. You can't change your genetics, but you can change your environment. So um, it triggers that can cause rosacea, stress, heat, um, spicy foods. You can um, look at those, and then also um, different foods that trigger it. Um, you can either do a food sensitivity test or keep a journal so that you um, can see when you're having skin issues. What did you eat in the last 72 hours that that could have caused that? And then um, perhaps looking at eliminating dairy, uh, gluten, um, sometimes nightshades or um, histamine type foods. Yeah, exactly. So when we're thinking about histamine type foods, some of those are even very healthy foods like avocados, apple cider vinegar, bone broth, things that normally we would tell people definitely be consuming these. But for some individuals, if they're not degrading histamine well, they need to come off of these at least for a short period of time uh, and see how they respond. So I would triage with the diet. I would say, okay, number one, make sure you're off processed sugars, processed grains, refined vegetable oils, all the corn oils, soybean, safflower, cottonseed, all those kinds of toxic oils. Come off of all of those. Um, really try to stick to kind of a whole foods, real food-based diet and see if you notice change. If you're not, now we start taking out dairy for sure, um, possibly eggs, right, can, can also be a trigger. Um, all grains, right, so take out some things like that uh, and, uh, and, and see if you're noticing improvement there. And if not, then, um, you know, we start going even deeper, right? Try taking out nightshade vegetables, try taking out nuts and seeds and see if you're noticing improvement, right? So you can kind of triage it like that. Uh, meanwhile, you know, if you're just not seeing any change with this, I would definitely recommend working with a functional health coach. You know, we've got three great ones right here um, that can help you get to the root cause. Cause sometimes so in some cases, these are easy, simple, you know, nutrition changes, lifestyle changes, but so often people have been struggling for a long time and they're never able to get to the root cause. And they're on these, you know, very restricted diets or they're, you know, just playing a guessing game, but they're not really getting anywhere. And uh, oftentimes because there's root cause infections that are not being uprooted and addressed, or there's chronic toxicities that need to be addressed. And that's where these functional health coaches can really help you. So let's move into the next question. Awesome. So Kristen's asking about adrenal fatigue. Well, she says adrenal failure. Um, she'd, she wants to know if intermittent fasting is okay for one struggling with adrenal failure and the best lifestyle strategies for those with adrenal issues, chronic stress, and low DHEA. Yeah. So, I mean, if I think about adrenal failure, I mean, it really depends on her symptoms and stuff, but I would think it's super hard for her to get out of bed. She has no energy throughout the day, super fatigued, uh, may even be having a lot of trouble sleeping at night. Some people with adrenal issues just need like 13, 14 hours of sleep. Some people, um, they can't even sleep at night. So they're just wired and tired. So with that sort of individual, we don't want to, we want to just implement very, very tiny pieces of stressors of hormetic stressors. Fasting is a hormetic stressor. So it's a stressor on the body, but it's a stressor that actually can make us stronger as long as we can recover from it. Um, but in general, we, first thing we got to do is address whatever the major stressors are, right? So um, before we think about fasting, we want to think about, okay, um, are you in a job you absolutely hate that you're going to every single day? Or are you having significant relational issues? Or are you in a house that's full of mold that you're breathing in? 
So we need to figure out what's causing, what's at the root of the adrenal failure and do our best to eliminate or at least minimize, reduce uh, exposure to that. And then from there, we can start really stacking some of, some of these hormetic stressors, right? With fasting, you know, we want to be real careful with that. So it depends on the individual, how well they're sleeping. If they're sleeping pretty well, um, then we can do a 12, maybe even a 14 hour fast in the morning and consume our meals in like a 10 hour, 12 hour window. That's a really good place to start. Okay. And we start getting some movement, some gentle movement, um, going out for a walk, things like that. And so we kind of just gradually, we lean into these things rather than aggressively, um, implement these things. But the first thing we have to do is try to reduce exposure to the major, you know, stressors that are driving the adrenals to be so, so exhausted or the body to just not be able to produce energy. Melissa, what would you add to that? Right. Um, so this was my issue when I went through my health issues. So I'm very uh, aware of how chronic stress can impact that. It's really the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and cause dysfunction and lead to low DHEA. Um, you know, so it affects your hormones, not just DHEA, it affects your uh, estrogen, testosterone. So there's a lot of downstream effects from having this dysfunction. And Chronic stress is usually that underlying issue, so definitely addressing that. But with, with diet particularly, make sure you're not being too restrictive with diet, particularly carbohydrates. So this, with people with adrenal issues, I definitely recommend having a, you know, moderate amounts of healthy carbs like sweet potatoes and root vegetables because you don't want to be too restrictive with carbohydrates and cause more stress on the body and lower blood sugar. So we really need to focus on balancing blood sugar, having plenty of of healthy fats. Don't overdo exercise, like let it be a time of rest. A lot of time adrenal issues come from type A people who are pushing, pushing, pushing. And so they're over-exercising, they're not prioritizing sleep. And you, this is the time where you've really got to give yourself permission to rest. So permission to get in bed early and um, prioritize sleep and then not overdo exercise. Get out in nature, get sun on your face, go for walks. I'm not saying not to do anything, definitely move, but no high intensity exercise until you're feeling better. And that's once you're feeling better, then you can implement strategies like intermittent fasting and um more exercise just to help with the recovery, but balancing blood sugar would probably be one of the key nutritional strategies. So just make sure you're getting healthy fats, um, plenty of healthy carbohydrates, and then good sources of protein. Yeah, really good. Hampton, what are your thoughts on this? Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think minerals. Minerals comes to mind. So of course, sodium and not just sodium only, but sodium chloride with all the 84 trace minerals. You need trace minerals to activate all the enzymes in the body. Sodium potassium is really important for fluid regulation in the body. Magnesium is huge. Um, hair mineral analysis, there's certain ratios of minerals and um, I believe it's the sodium magnesium ratio speaks to adrenal uh, function. And so prioritizing getting magnesium in uh, those are all really critical. Um, and so there's a, there's a drink that I really like. There's a lot of different variations of it, but it's really getting in a, um, a half a teaspoon of Celtic sea salt or pink Himalayan salt and putting in some whole food vitamin C. Vitamin C and B vitamins are also really supportive for uh, adrenal hormone production as well and balancing. And so doing that in the morning, 16 to 30 ounces, however much 
you can kind of get in and then doing it again in the afternoon. That can be a really good stabilizing, energetic, energizing um, way to keep mineralization in and, and support hormones and enzymes uh, that way with the adrenal glands as well. Yeah, that's great. And, and oftentimes people with adrenal issues, um, you know, they, they're really craving salts. Okay. That's, that's yeah. a, a common issue, right? They're really, really craving these salts because their body needs that. So Tara, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, those, everything that the coaches have, have talked about so far is so great. And I would just, the thing I usually talk to, um, particularly women when they um, have adrenal fatigue, is I say, what is the one thing that you love to do? And do that and, and make priority to um, find time to either um, include medic. Um, prayer or meditation, yoga, usually those are things that are resonating with them at this point in their life. And so um, prioritizing um, good sleep and, and things that they love to do, whatever it is, whether it's hiking or, or yoga. And then some, some women have a, a good response to um, waking up in the morning and going outside, getting sunlight early and um, even using some spectrum lighting. Um, and then in the evening, you know, kind of dimming the lights and preparing yourself to bed and, and prioritizing sleep. Yeah, that's so good. So important to get that good quality sleep. So having good sleep hygiene, super important. And grounding your body. I think a couple of you guys mentioned that just getting out barefoot, grass, dirt, sand, grounding your body, you'll get the free electrons from the ground. Um, and that actually, it's almost like showering your electromagnetic field. Um, so we're all around kind of dirty EMFs just coming from our computers and cell phones and stuff like that. So showering that electromagnetic field on a regular basis by getting grounded is, uh, can be really helpful. And then also, um, Adaptogenic herbs can be really helpful here as well. Um, I know ashwagandha, lots of clinical research on it. A lot of people seem to do very, very well on ashwagandha. There's also, and ashwagandha is more of, more of a calming herb, although um, you know, it, a lot of people do also notice that they just feel like they've got better endurance and um, stamina you know, throughout the day with it. And then you've got some herbs that are uh, tend to be more known for being energizing. That would be things like rhodiola, uh, eleuthero, uh, which is Siberian ginseng, panax ginseng in general is another great one kind of for energizing. Um, so you, you typically don't want to take those in the evening, although they're not stimulants like caffeine. Um, you're probably going to get your best benefit taking those earlier in the day. Um, and then in the evening you have things that are more calming that, uh, that are agonists for the GABA pathways to help calm your brain. So you have things like, uh, like lemongrass, passion flower, valerian root, um, lavender, right? Things like that. And you can use essential oils. You can diffuse essential oils. So you're breathing them in. Um, you can do herbal teas with these. You can do supplements that, you know, either have some of these herbs in isolation or in combination, and those adaptogenic herbs really help kind of, you know, basically if your body is underproducing energy, they're going to help bring you up. If you're under, if you're overproducing, or if you're feeling anxiety or irritable, um, they're going to help bring you back into balance. They can all be helpful. And then one other thing, you know, I think about is, you know, typically anytime somebody's dealing with adrenal issues, it's usually, you know, we, we call it the cell danger response. So the body's actually creating a response where it is shutting down energy production because it's trying to survive. It's almost going into hibernation because there's so much toxicity, infection, 
or trauma that's taking place. Um, and it, it, we need to kind of peel back the onions. We need to remove as much of the infection or the toxicity, you know, we need to start to, to remove the source of that and the trauma, um, before, and that could be emotional trauma, certainly could be physical trauma as well. Um, before the, the cell itself is going to wake up. Okay. And start to produce energy the way that it should. Now the adaptogens, those kind of herbs, these types of nutrients all really help. They really help, uh, the body, but you know, we always have to get to the root cause and address that there. So, yeah. well, good. Um, you know, it's, we're running late on time here. Um, uh, but guys, you know, we went through a lot of questions. We'll go through, we'll do another monthly Q and a and, uh, and go through more. If you guys are dealing with chronic health issues and you want to improve your health, or you're just looking to optimize your health, you want to get some lab work run, um, look at your inflammatory markers, look at your vitamin D levels, you know, look at all those types of things, your blood sugar, your fasting insulin, then reach out to one of our health coaches here. You know, we've got Melissa, Tara and Hampton. They're amazing. Work with people all over the world and they'd be happy to help guide you and, and help set up a customized health plan to help you reach your goals. So don't be shy. Reach out to them. To help support you in uh, whatever way they're able to. And uh, guys, we'll see you on a future podcast. And also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, um, if you have questions that you want us to address on future podcasts, future Q&As, go ahead and leave them in the comments and I'll go back and, uh, and we'll grab those and answer those in a future podcast. And also be sure to follow me on social media, on Instagram, uh, and Facebook, because every month I put up a post asking for your questions so we can address them in this Q&A. So be sure to do that. We'll see you guys in a future podcast. Everybody be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.